Hey, wonderfuls, welcome to episode 423 of the JV Club. We have entered Boys of Summer. Ooh, that was a very rough voice in almost every way. I want to thank you for getting through that and hopefully not turning off this entire podcast because this is a very, very special episode, uh, very close to my heart. Uh, My dear, dear friend, Torin Anderson, who was such an inspiration and influence uh, in my life from fourth grade, really onward into adulthood, is my first guest of Boys of Summer. He is up to some amazing work day-to-day. He is also a wonderful, wonderful author. I highly encourage you to get a hold of a copy one way or the other of his, (laughs) I don't mean like in a heist type scenario, what I say one way or another. I mean, however you choose to ingest your books uh, to check out Pinata Moon it, I talk about it more with Torin in the episode, but, you know, this is a perfect example of an artist who has made something beautiful, and you can support that art if you want to um, get it and read it. I will give you just a quick warning. Maybe a warning is a strong word, but um, there is a mention of our friend's uh, suicide, so a little bit of a trigger warning there. Uh, we do not talk about the event at all in any detail whatsoever. There is a very, very, very light and quick reference to it with respect to Pinata Moon. Uh, but I just wanted to put that out there as well. I found that his book to be, oh, it's just so wonderful. It's, I say it in the episode, but it's a, it's such a wonderful reflection of kind of how we felt as young people growing up in kind of a magical place, which is the Sonoran Desert. So highly recommend that. I, of course, am excited for you to just listen to the episode because you get a little snippet of my teenage years as well, or maybe a, a, what's a, what's bigger than a snippet? A snap it? A, a snock it? Of my own teenage experience via Torin. So Please enjoy that, and uh, I hope everyone is feeling well and safe and celebrating all the beauty in your life, and I will talk to you next time. to record this zoom call um this is so pathetic but i have been on calls like this so much that i actually am gonna lie down (laughs) that's fine my neck is so fucked up from just constantly like apparently i do this very you know i just i just sort of lean like if i whether i'm on my laptop or on my my desktop i'm just sort of always leaning in to the camera or to you know to sort of be present and so these two muscles are like so sore i have to go to physical therapy it's i mean i literally i literally do have physical therapy tomorrow it's insane for your neck for that yeah yeah I've I have totally fucked myself up from the from that particular this particular thing. And also I'm sure I mean it's always where I carry all my tension. So once you add those two things together, um, you know, I've been getting all these weird, stupid headaches and stuff. But I thought, oh, this is tea. Like he'll understand if I'm sort of, of lying, course you can lay, lay down. Lying no, down. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> now I feel like down. I should lay down. 
I mean, listen, you're welcome to. It looks like you're on a bed, and it's not like the video is going to get used either. So yeah, well, just because you know, I had this knee surgery, so my leg is up, and I have a heating pad, and oh sure, I'm also going to physical therapy. Oh, listen, uh, you know what? My physical therapist reminds me a little bit of Michelle. Really? Yeah, like like this wonderful, like warm energy, but like authority, and uh, yeah, there's just like there's something about her that. Uh, that reminds me of Michelle. She looks a little bit like Michelle. Um, yeah, it's funny. I like already had, I've had that conversation where I was like, it, this is so strange, but you remind me of my friend's wife. So the fact that I'm talking to you has just occurred to me as being, uh, of, that's a funny coincidence. It's not a coincidence. That is funny. Do you ever get that? Like you're in an airport and you see someone that looks like someone you know and your heart's beating like, oh, is that, is that them? Yeah, yeah. And it never. Uh, and then it turns out, of course, yeah. it's totally not them. <laughs> Um, Although okay, it's funny, thinking... Michelle, speaking of Michelle, she was in Las Vegas. You know, she did like a little girl's trip to Las Vegas. Uh-huh. And um, she saw this woman and she was like, wow, this woman really looks like Derek Ettinger's mom, our friend Derek. Yeah. And so she's like, yeah, but I shouldn't approach her. I mean, it's, it's probably not her. Why would she be in Vegas? <laughs> and then a couple of weeks later, she finds out it really was Felicia wow. with Derek's mom. She just happened to be there, but they didn't approach each other because they thought, why would they be... Yeah. You know, why would the other person be in Vegas? But also like, but, but like being in Vegas isn't, it's not that, it's not like they were both in Cleveland. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it, Vegas right. at least is a, is a place that you could sort of conceivably, you know, as like a magnet for specific reasons. Um, you know what I mean? Like rather than like, what are you doing here in Billings, Montana? Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> but, uh, Billings. but I wouldn't have said anything either. I would never... I've like I feel like I've been burned by walking up to someone and being way too close before I realize that it's not them and like that's stopped me from doing it in times after that. I've totally done that, um, and it's funny because you know with COVID, you know you're wearing a mask, and I was at the library, so I had a mask on, sunglasses, a huge hat, like literally nothing was showing. Yeah, and I'm standing in line waiting for books, and the woman next to me says, um, "Are you a lawyer?" <laughs> I was like, no. She's like, I know you from somewhere. <laughs> and, uh, literally, nothing is showing. I'm just, I'm just like a mask and sunglasses. And um, so we keep chatting. It turns out we do. Wait, we went really? to the same like Jewish camp. And no. I was with her brother. No way. But it, it must have been the what was my she voice going off of? Oh yeah. I think I just mean... the voice. Because maybe I said like, I'm here to pick up my books. You know, I gave my number. <laughs> the idea that you, <laughs> the idea that somehow. Like, maybe you when you when you knew her way back when you also were always wearing a hat and sunglasses and a mask. <laughs> right. Like, remember when we worked on that farm together and that we had to clean the manure, so we always had masks <laughs> on. Like, she only understands you as being in that exact garb, and that's why she was able to make the connection. Well, it's funny. I was walking along, you know, the river walk path in Tucson, and a guy's going by on his bike, and he sees me. And he's like, Mike. <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> It's not Mike, but of course, again, I'm fully covered. You can't see anything. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, our friend Zach, uh, who we both know well, um, he and I run into each other at the grocery store sometimes, and uh, I was with Brandon, my sweetie, and uh, and I. It suddenly occurred to me that they had never met before, um, which kind of seems crazy because I feel like I've run into Zach in the last six and a half years which is how long I've been with with Brandon but uh somehow that hadn't happened and uh and they were both wearing you know like most of their face was covered so it was a weird 
like pseudo introduction like oh you guys are a meeting i guarantee you you will not remember having met each other at least visually because i and i think actually at least one of them was wearing sunglasses also like even inside the store because you have so much stuff you just sort of don't take off what you already have on because that's just another thing to like carry so it's as if that meeting never happened in many ways because it's like what do you what do you what are you going off of what do you i mean i kind of like the anonymous sometimes it's just walking around and being totally anonymous feels great I said that and Brandon was like, what do you feel like is change? Like, is your behavior changed in any way? I mean, is there something, do you feel like you're getting away with something? Like, are you, are, <laughs> are you, are you making a different decision based on wearing a mask? And I was like, no, it's, I'm really, I'm not. It's just feels kind of fun to not be, just to be completely and totally anonymous, even though there's no different, there's no difference in my action. Like maybe I right. maybe I sing maybe I sing hum louder to music if I'm listening to it maybe I don't know. Right. Well, we definitely wave a lot more now that we're wearing masks. I, I see myself like I'm always waving like because they can't see my facial expressions. Yeah. So oh, like, are you kidding hey. me? I give the peace sign now. I don't know who that person is. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere along the line, I started giving the peace sign when like someone stops and lets me cross the road or something. I instead of because I can't, I can't see my smile now, like a wave doesn't seem like enough. Somehow <laughs> now I'm I'm giving the peace, peace. sign. I don't know what happened. Right. Oh, it's just part of who I am. I'm peace sign girl. Um, and also that could mean something else too. Like, I don't know. Maybe this is, I mean, this is like a picture, I guess when you get your picture taken, sometimes that's, that's entered into the equation. Um, when I was in Japan, everyone, everyone, everyone put their fingers up in a V. But don't they do the sideways piece? Like they do the piece and but they tilt it to the side more. Oh no. Should I be doing the Check sideways piece? <laughs> no, I mean, I think like when, I mean, uh, we had a friend from Japan and she was here studying and like when she would do the peace sign, it's a very distinct, it's peace, but then it's like til- tilted on oh. its side. Oh, I do need to get into some research. Uh, well, thank you so much for being on my podcast about teenage years since I've known you since I was in fourth grade. Yeah, this is awesome to be here. <laughs> 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 and to see you laying down. I know it's it's, it's I this yeah the the ways in which the pandemic has changed certain behaviors are like things I ne- wouldn't necessarily have predicted. But I, I, I like I said, I already had neck problems, so that part isn't that surprising. Um, do you and you just had knee surgery? Do you are you glad that you did it now with all this happening? Is there a sense of like I'm missing out less on? stuff because everybody is kind of at home anyway yeah good question i mean i guess you know i I didn't miss work really because i did the surgery i came home the same day and then you know i can keep working i don't have to like because i think some people take like six to 12 weeks off after knee surgery yeah um but just the whole thing was so weird you know i hadn't had surgery before and it was on saint patrick's day and i remember because the one of the last things i remember was asking them like are you guys gonna pinch me you know, because I wasn't wearing <laughs> I was wearing like one of this plastic smock, you know. Um, and then were I woke you nervous? up and I was wearing... Was that a nervous joke or were you totally not nervous and that was just a fun, I think I was kind of like, drugged up at that point. So, uh-huh. you know, like where you think you're really funny. Because uh-huh. I remember like they were wheeling me and I'm like, is this part of the parade? You know, because like... <laughs> but, um, you know, it's just so weird because there's all these people around you and you're in your little like plastic smock and then next thing you know i wake up and i'm wearing a cloth smock and i and then i kind of put two and two together probably because there's going to get blood on the plastic oh smock. wow 
And then I woke wow. up and I'm just in this room full of people. We've all had surgery and everyone's kind of like <laughs> in pain and moaning. Yeah. And I hadn't been around people at all. And suddenly I'm like, you know, literally the woman next to me was like four feet next to me, you know, between oh, that little wow. curtain. So it was weird just to be around people, you know, through surgery and then doing the whole physical therapy process. As you know, it's so intense. Yeah. Because, I mean, they really, my physical therapist, like she really pushes me to like my pain threshold. Yeah. And I've never had someone that's so interested in like my quads. Every time she sees me, she's uh -huh. like, let's see those quads. Yeah. How are those quads coming? Because I guess they're really atrophied, you know. Oh, no. My physical therapist watched something I was on and said, you use your neck too much. When you're talking, you're just using it too much. I could see it. I could see all the muscles straining when you're you. So it, basically what you're doing for a living is making your neck worse. And I was like, so that it's the same thing, just completely honed in on the one part of my body that is of concern to her. And fair That's point, interesting. fair point, because I feel like she's totally right. Your neck has lots of acting chops. That it's. I feel like I, my whole career is has has sprung forth from my neck, and I don't think I can change anything, or I will never work again. So I'm going to have to live in pain for the rest of my life. Well, you know, since I've known you so long, you know, we were also we were in advanced drama together in high school. Oh yeah, and it Mr. was Lee's very class. advanced. <laughs> all I remember doing is like laying around in closets and like That's all we did. hanging out and telling stories. But I remember we did like a read through and um, like, you know, you, you pick the character and we're all sitting around reading. We'd never seen it. And, um, you know, you, you picked it up and you're actually like doing inflection and you're changing your voice. And, and I remember thinking like, how is she doing this? Because I was <laughs> never a great reader. I'm just trying to read the sentence. Uh -huh. You're like actually like bringing all this stuff to the table. So there was signs early on. <laughs> I do love a cold read. I got to be honest with you. I still find that to be very exciting. There's something very satisfying about seeing something for the very first time and having to make it performative in some kind of way. Even like if it's reading to kids. I mean, that that I really love that. I love the idea of I mean, I think there is something dangerously egotistical about a, a child being like will you read this to me and me being like <laughs> you're damn right i will <laughs> never ready. seen this before in my life never cracked this book open before in my life but let's see how good i do <laughs> like, right well actually you know we did work together on the earth day carol app um, i love the earth day carol app yeah and so i mean just to back up so this is a story about a plastic bottle scrooge visited by the ghosts of plastic past present and future and i emailed you so hey would clever. you be willing to do so the voice clever. for this app and that was so nice you said yes you'd never even seen it you didn't even read one word and you were already willing to do it of and um, and actually when we when we played your recording you know the guy who ended up putting the sound into the app we were just both laughing you know like trying to pick out our favorite takes um because you really <laughs> you know, got into it doing the different voices. And I think that's where I first started to really hurt my neck because I put a lot of effort into creating the sounds that I thought that those individual ghosts would make. So, so it's, it's my lot. fault. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks, Torin. You know, let me ask you, since I mean, I've known you for a long time. So I'm curious, just from the acting side, when have you had a script or an audition where as soon as you were reading it, you're like, oh, wow, I'm this completely fits me like have you had that experience before where a character or a story or something somehow just really jives with you 
you know what's kind of sad about that is that I feel like I'm so conditioned now to think from a like I th- for, from like a rational sort of marketing um like what like whether or not I respond to something has I think has kind of fallen by the wayside and it is more about whether I think that anybody else will think that or if you know based on you know based on whatever pigeonholing happens and whatever typecasting happens which is you know still very very robust in Hollywood and and I get it you know I've been on the other side where I've written something and you know it's it's not meant to be necessarily hurtful or or limiting it's just like well, I uh, the first person that jumps into your mind is, you know, you describe like, well, I'm looking for like a kind of a mafioso type, you know, like a guy maybe for the Bronx type thing, um, you know, has like a twinkle in his eye, but also can be like very intimidating. Like you're not going to necessarily, you're not going to be like Patrick Stewart. You're going to be like, oh, like a Robert <laughs> De Niro type. Do you know what I mean? Like we, we, right. we. We're humans, we're creatures, we, we categorize things, we put things in our minds that way, we organize things in our brains and our memories, and so you you go to the thing that, you, you know, you, we, we're comparative. And so I will read something and go, oh, this is, like, whether or not it, it sings to me or not, to my soul, uh, I, will, I will read something and go like, oh, this is written with this sort of, this, you know, it's written with this sort of sharp humor, uh, or it's this person who's, you know, obsequious in some way that I think I can make warm and not too bitchy. Like, it's very craft-oriented now, which is kind of a bummer because, I mean, the, the, the other answer is, like, there probably are a bunch of scripts I will never even get to see that I would, that I would go, oh, I would love to, you know, this feels like me. Um, because it would never even, you know, make it into my inbox. Um, it's kind of a depressing answer, but, uh, I'm just bitter and (laughs) the weathered Hollywood star. That's right. That's right. Uh, so to give some context on, uh, again, us knowing each other for, for, for many, many years, um, Torn and I went to grade school together. If you're a regular listener to the podcast, you know that my school, Uh, experience was separated into grades one through three grades four through six grades seven and eight and then grades nine through twelve and because they were magnet schools um i guess with the exception of our 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 high school uh they people from all over the city would be going to all of these different types of magnet schools and so there was actually like a fair chance you would go to school with someone for three years and then never see them again or go to school with with them for two years if it's junior high and then never see them again um our Torn and I have a, a dear dear friend named Derek whom we've both you've known him forever through like being Jewish yeah I mean you've known you knew him before fourth grade right even though you didn't go to our grade school like our primary school or did you I meet him? I think I met him grade? in fourth grade. Okay. Actually, okay. I didn't know if you guys had gone to temple together or what, but um, but Derek and I uh, have known each other since first grade, and I now can say we both met Torin in fourth grade, <laughs> um, and and then we were together fourth through sixth, and then also in seventh and eighth at that junior high, and then uh, in high school together through graduation and then Torin and I lived together we were roommates in college and for our sophomore year and then even before our sophomore year we were really 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 close in our freshman year and spent a lot of time together and um, had a lot of uh, some of my I mean many of my most formative years and and experiences are very much tied to you Um, and and you know I've always just thought the world of you 
um, and you continue to do things in your career that are both creative and provocative and uh, insightful and you know right now you're you're you sort of doing a few different things in addition to continuing with your writing uh, which is sort of focused tends to be focused on kind of the middle grade or YA is that fair to say yes right now um world but you've also you're also working with and I would love for you to to say more because I'm sure I will mischaracterize what what you're doing but um can you talk to a little bit and we'll get back to your writing but can you talk to a little bit about what you're doing with the with the reservations and and all that yeah thanks Janet so um I work for the Institute of Energy Solutions at University of Arizona so we're working on two projects um, one is called Indigifuse. This is a long name, but it's Indigenous Food, Energy, and Water Security and Sovereignty. And so this is a project that's trying to come up with um, food, energy, and water solutions on Navajo Nation. And it's led by um, this really amazing woman, Dr. Carletta Chief. And she grew up on Navajo Nation, you know, grew up in a hogan, the traditional houses um, without running water or electricity. And now she's a hydrologist. And about 30% of the houses on Navajo Nation don't have electricity or running water. So what we've been creating is these off-grid nanofiltration um, water purifying units. And so what's been interesting about this job is so much of the work before was about being in person. So for example, one day I drove up seven hours, had a one hour meeting and then turned around wow. and drove back, you know, just to try to meet with people in person. But um, it's been a really amazing project. You know, Navajo Nation was hit so hard yeah. by COVID. Oh, it's devastating. And part of that comes down to lack of access to water. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, being up there, um, I took a group of graduate students for an immersion trip and we spent a week, like we spent the night in a Hogan and we helped people wow. water haul. And this is seven hours from Tucson. And, I, you know, I saw conditions that are worse than things you would see like in a third world country. And you've, and you've spent time in India as well. Um, speaking of seeing you know, wildly different communities, even within one continent or within one country, you also know what you're talking about when you say that. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, but, you know, I mean, I don't know if you spent much time in Navajo Nation or like Canyon de Chez, but you know, it's interesting, like I'd come back from those trips and you really feel like, wow, I was, I was, I was gone somewhere, you know, it's like I left Absolutely. Arizona. And um, because of COVID now, all our interactions with them have been through Zoom. Hmm. Of course, that takes a lot of, it's such a change of pace. But we had a big conference this summer um, called Co-Infuse, which was about like, how do you co-design projects with indigenous communities? And it was all done through Zoom. And it started with like a medicine man in his hogan with his cell phone hmm. doing a prayer. Oh, you know, wow. and that just never would have happened even a year ago. Yeah. So it, it is kind of opening up some new possibilities. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, the thing that f flies into your mind first on hearing that shortly after hearing that 30% of the homes don't even have electricity is, well, you know, here you are confronted with an immediate problem of communication uh, for many people that just enhances the, the, the challenges that have already been underway. Like the, the idea of being confronted with a virus and then also like yeah oh and by the way this virus will limit communication with the outside world for anybody who doesn't have the the the, the technology the money for the technology or even the electricity to make that kind of communication possible it's it's 
it's kind of staggering. And I think it's so good for us to be reminded that whatever we were and everybody, you know, everybody's on their own journey and we can't control where we were born or who we were born to. And and the best we can do is, you know, try to create circumstances in which we feel understood by one another and we we help each other. Um, but God, you know, that's some people just had to work, you know, some of us just had to work from home and that was pretty, and someone else brought our groceries to us versus like, oh, you know, the Navajo Nation being just ravaged by what happened. It's just heartbreaking. How How's everybody, do you have a sense of how people are doing now? Is there light at the end of the tunnel um, as far as the virus goes with, with vaccinations? Are they being made available and, and are people taking the opportunity or is there a sense of concern or fear of the vaccinations like what's happening there not to make I mean, me speak gotten, for a culture but yeah i mean it's gotten so much better from what i understand and Good. you know they really galvanized and worked together as a community um i mean i think one of the things that's really sad is you know we keep hearing from our colleagues there like just the elders the loss of the elders there's mm-hmm. so much um knowledge that's being yeah. lost by you know to, to that generation um passing away that, that it was a real mm-hmm. concern like how you know for our culture, what are we going to do when, when these people who kind of hold this place, yeah, have been dying at such a huge rate, um, and you know, and again, you know, there's just been, um, so many, you know, really hard stories about you know families just because again, you know, living in a whole people that are living in traditional hogan, I mean, you're really there's no separate room, there's no like, right. oh, let me wash my hands right now because I have indoor plumbing, right, um. But again, I mean, our, our, the partners with the, actually actually in two weeks, we're going to do a whole week of training with Diné College and we're all going to do it on Zoom. And um, and again, you know, I mean, spending any amount of time on Zoom, it really is draining. Yeah, I think partially because like, you know, you when you're in the same room with people, you can kind of pick up on body language and sure you have to work so much harder on Zoom to try to understand like what's what's going on. But um, and even like energy, know, I just can't like wait energy, till we can go yeah. back to Navajo Ugh. Nation. Oh, Sorry, yeah. you're gonna say. oh, no, I mean, I listen, I interrupted you. But I, I think th- I think there is just the the actual physiological energy exchange of human beings being together and understanding depression from that lens through that lens and and and, you know, the energy of social interactions that, you know, is there something that's real and physical and scientific that's happening about a sort of energy exchange when you're in the same room with someone versus staring at them on a screen, you know? I, I think so. Well, I don't. And here's why. Why am I being a contrarian? Right. I posit it and then just shit all over it. Um, right. uh Well, I, 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 gosh, I just love that you're doing that. And it feels so you to me, although everything that you've ever done that you've been proud of or that you've been working on in the places that you've lived and stuff you know you're just you're just one of those people that and I'm sure I've talked about you maybe this is awkward for you to hear but on the podcast before as being somebody that I just think of as having from the outside anyway um seemed like such a complete human being from a very very early age in a way that makes you you know, memorable and extraordinary to so many people who've known you in your life, at least that I can speak to from when we were kids, like, there was something really special about you always. And, you know, you were definitely a friend of mine that I felt like very proud to be close to and that and and that, you know, it felt 
like it maybe reflected well on me <laughs> that you wanted to be around me because people were really just very attracted to you in in all different kinds of ways and you know you're you're just one of those people that um I you know whatever you chose to do or whatever different things you decided to take on in your life um felt like you know you're a seeker and you are you're just a you're just a person that I think people are very glad exists and you know we should all be so lucky to to feel that way you know well, thanks for that. I mean, I, I definitely didn't feel that way growing up. And actually, it's funny, like, I'm so glad. I've I really thought many times, like, I am so glad we didn't grow up during, like, with, like, social media and cell phones. And because I just think of all these crazy, stupid things I did. I'm so glad it wasn't documented. You know, it's just like a story. What? I mean, listen, like, but what do you, but like, you, what, were we really, I mean, it's not like we were like, hey, remember when, I mean, yes, we did do some stupid stuff, but. And would we have done more if would it have, you know, propagated itself if we had if we had a reason to do it because we were recording ourselves for video? Would we have been, you know, even crazier, done, done, done stupid things even more often? I don't know. I mean, I have wondered, like, because, you know, people are like this is such a random thing to bring in. But, you know, like Justin Bieber, he did all these crazy things. And I really thought, like, so he peed in some buckets. Like, would I really, would I really have been done any better than Justin Bieber? Right. Um, right. And again, you know, this is what really makes me feel old. Like when people, ask, when, when I'm working with students and they ask me like, oh, how old are you? I tell them I'm the same age as Justin Bieber's parents. That <laughs> <laughs> makes people think, oh my God, he's so old. But of course they had him really young, but that was really like a moment of like, wow, I'm old enough to be Justin Bieber's dad. Yeah. <laughs> And the other, it's funny because the only other time that I've really had like that kind of like, I'm old kind of, you know, flash, I was watching The Simpsons and they revealed how old Homer Simpson was and I was older than Homer Simpson. Oh, no. So in case you don't know, Homer Simpson's 39. What? And, uh, and no! he's been 39 for like no! 30 years, but, but he's like such a symbol of like middle age. And I was like, I'm older than Homer Simpson. He's not, feel so he old. does not represent a 39-year-old. That is I know. arbitrary and has to be the number that makes sense because of the age of his children who also are perennially that age. But there is no way that anyone, well, maybe not anyone, maybe maybe in certain areas or maybe with, in, with certain types of folks, but like who, I defy anyone who listens to my podcast to say, I mean, if someone said picture a 39-year-old white man, I would picture Homer Simpson. Like, I just don't think <laughs> right. that's happening. I don't think that's happening. God, that's stunning. That's very depressing. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that depressing? Yeah, that's awful. Okay, we're going to take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. Okay, wonderfuls, I don't know if you can relate to this at all, but for some reason, of all of the things in my home, nothing makes me feel more like a grown-up than kitchenware. I don't know why! Why is it kitchenware, specifically? But that is absolutely 100% true, and I also feel like I know quality stuff. I kind of know what I'm talking about. I used to host a show called Dinner in a Movie, and we worked with amazing chefs and cooked amazing food, and so I kind of feel like I know what I'm talking about, which is why I need to tell you about me. Maybe- 
made in items. And that's made in with an exclamation mark. If you know me at all, you know I am very enthusiastic because I love an exclamation mark. So that alone is reason for me to love made in. If quality and craftsmanship is important to you like it is to me, you do need to check out Made In. It's a cookware and kitchenware brand that works with renowned chefs and artisans, I love the word artisan, to produce some of the world's best pots, pans, knives, and wine glasses. I have some new knives on order with Made In. I cannot wait for them to come in. Again, I will feel more like an adult. Now, They source the finest materials and partner with renowned craftsmen to make premium kitchen tools available directly to you, wonderful, without the markup. Made-in products are made to last, and they offer a lifetime guarantee. Now, their cookware distributes heat evenly, can easily go from the stovetop to the oven, and their knives, like the ones I'm going to get, are fully forged, perfectly balanced, and stay sharp. That's what I feel like I'm doing. I feel like I'm staying sharp by ordering from Made in. Right now, Made In is offering our listeners 15% off your first order with promo code JVCLUB. That makes sense, right? This is the best discount available anywhere online for Made In products. Go to madeincookware.com slash JVCLUB and use promo code JVCLUB for 15% off your first order. That's madeincookware.com slash JVCLUB and use promo code JVCLUB. Let's get sharp together. Let's grow up. Hey, Jay Keith. Hey, Helen. Hey, you've got another true-false quiz for me? Yep. Our trivia podcast, Go Fact Yourself, used to be in front of a live audience. True. Turns out that's not so safe anymore. Correct. Next. Unfortunately, this means we can no longer record the show. False. The show still comes out every first and third Friday of the month. Correct. Finally, we still have great celebrity guests answering trivia about things they love on every episode of Go Fact Yourself. Definitely true. And for bonus points, name some of them. Recently, we've had uh, Ophira Eisenberg, plus tons of surprise experts like Yardley Smith and Suzanne Summers. Perfect score. Woo-hoo. You can hear Go Fact Yourself every first and third Friday of the month with all the great guests and trivia that we've always had. And if you don't listen, well, then you can go fact yourself. That's the name of our podcast. Correct. Woo-hoo. Don't you feel like you fall into the like, not too, not too bad, not too good kind of teenager category of like, you know, I wasn't doing anything egregious. Um, you know, I was still like trying to be respectful of other people. Maybe I was doing things that were not super smart, but, you know, I wasn't like going so far really in any direction. Or do you feel that that you went in and in a, in like you went sort of deeper into behaviors that you maybe wouldn't you wish you wouldn't have or wouldn't want, you know, your son to or whatever? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I mean, I don't know, because my memories of like high school, for example, are so weird when I think about high school. Like, I literally cannot think of anything academic that I did. I mean, I remember taking typing with Miss Rame, and that was like the one really useful class I had. And of course, I like my English classes, but like, I don't remember anything academic. So I just remember like, well, we'd go to a park and we'd climb a tree and we'd hang out or, you know, we'd, you and me, we'd, we used to drive up to Mount Lemon and we'd play mu- music and you'd make these mixtapes and we'd drive around like... Yeah. There was a lot of just like driving around I know, listening I know. to mixtapes. I still have a lot of your mixtapes, which were great, by the Aww. way. You have a lot of really good um, mixtapes. It's funny how much a mixtape can bring back oh, yeah. certain memories. And of course, I think for kids these days, like, oh, let me send you a playlist. It just doesn't have the same I know. <laughs> feel to it as like someone sat there pressing record. Yeah. You know, tangible, tangible items being 
tangible items being separated from the emotionality of music like that that's a really interesting like artifact like we have like the, the like i'm i'm sh- i know our parents have versions of like sort of social artifacts that feel like a loss um and because they're not because we didn't have them they don't feel like a loss for us because it's the absence of a thing that you know you sort of you can go like oh that sounds nice but it doesn't necessarily mean anything but that's definitely an example of something that like like music was so incredibly emotionally important that then also having an object that was tied to that um that that like those things make sense to me to be put together rather than like oh i got this link sent to me by this person and that link and and like how could you be possessive of the link in the same way that (laughs) you would be like this tape this tape you know yeah look at this beautiful link they sent me (laughs) well it's funny because like i think you know my son's 10 and like a lot of times when he wants to buy something he wants to buy something within a game he's playing online like dad and he makes these big arguments for two (laughs) dollars i get this many (laughs) eggs and it gives me this many points Right. And like, it makes me feel so old because I'm like, but you don't get anything you can hold. It's all just like in this <laughs> yeah. fantasy world, you get these coins or, or whatnot. Yeah. But, um, Why don't you ask me if, if I'll buy you a beanie baby? This is what I understand. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Here's a mixtape, Odin. It's funny because speaking of music, um, he took a music appreciation class and we were driving home one day and Green Day came on and he turned to me and said, is this punk? And I said, wow, that's a really good question. Yeah. Like, is Green Day punk? Because, you know, it's so like pop sensibilities. But, yeah. Um, and I think, you know, being a dad, there's so much music that I want him to appreciate that he's just not into, you know, like, right. so like if like a Neil Young song, com- song will come on the radio and he'll be like, change it, another station. But I want to yeah. try to explain, Odin, um, right. just give it a try. Yeah. Actually, for a while, you know, that song, like Wheel in the Sky Keeps on Turning. Sure wheel in the sky so i kept trying to sing wheel in the sky to try to get him into that like because there's something about that kind of like optimistic like rocker music that like you Uh just don't see anymore yeah it it didn't it didn't work um what is so he's into just a little bit more straightforward kind of pop stuff or yeah i mean like the first song he got into was rihanna shine bright like a diamond because it does is kind of like a kid song shine bright like a diamond sure He's still um, so young, though, T. I mean, I remember, like, I don't know if you can, I mean, again, if you had been like, oh, I don't know. I was, I, I, I was like, Harvest Moon was my favorite album when I was six. Like, I would believe mm. that. But I, I mean, my transition into high school and, and that, and my relationship with music changed so drastically, kind of right when adolescence hit. So, you okay. know what I mean? It's like, it remains to be seen. Because when I was 10, I guarantee you the most thing, like most of the time I was just listening to whatever was on the radio or whatever was on like Casey Kasem's Top 40 or whatever. Um, <laughs> right. And that and that transition to even like, I, I, to be honest with you, I think I hated Neil Young. Like I think my dad, who has great taste in music, you know, Neil Young's been around long enough that our parents were trying to convince us to listen to Neil Young. And right. I feel like I was like, he, his voice is too high for a man. Like I feel like right. I, you know what I mean? Like there are so many bands that my dad loved that he would play around me that until I, it was almost like it clicked over when I turned 13, like my ears just changed. Like the hor- my mm-hmm. ear hormones changed because all of a sudden i was like wait i love david burns voice wait i mm-hmm. love neil young's voice i love this I love and and it and lyrics started being so much more important and you know all of that stuff kind of came alive i think 
in a way that I wouldn't have, I would have told you that it was all very important to me when I was 10, 11, 12. But I think that's because I hadn't crossed over the threshold of like the new way that it became important to me when I was a teenager. Well, and also I think your dad always took music really seriously. I mean, I remember like going to your house and just the way that that stereo was set up and you playing me like Peter Gabriel or, you know, like it was a really good sound system. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, and, and again, I, I guess it does change. Like Odin's been really into OK Go, I think partially because of all those crazy videos. Sure. And when OK Go came to Tucson, we went and we ended up getting like tickets right in the first row. Nice. And, um, and it was a weird concert because like they would play their songs as their videos were playing in the background. Yeah. And then they would stop between each song to answer questions from the audience. About the oh, videos. wow. Oh, wow. Okay. So um, that was like his first, one of his first concert experiences. Um, and I think it left an impression because they had like the confetti machine and it, we, we came home and he saved a big chunk of confetti that we could like keep playing with oh, for a couple of weeks. I love that. But speaking, I want to ask you, because I, I remember my first concert was In Excess, mm-hmm. Kick Tour. And Michelle has an awesome first concert. My wife, the first concert she went to was Millie Vanilli. Oh, And she was like, they're really singing. Because, you know, the controversy had already come out and they had binoculars. (laughs) And they're like, they really are singing. This is real. (laughs) So I was curious, what was your first concert? Well, both of those seem, again, like maybe they were choices that... Well, okay. My very first concert that I can remember at all was when I was really little... um, we were in San Diego visiting my dad's friends and we went to a concert in Balboa Park that was Paul Revere and the Raiders, uh, which was like very, very old school. Um, And so I didn't have any, I had never heard them. It didn't, uh, the only thing I knew was that it was like cool to be outside in this crowd of people watching this music. So I have this sort of vague memory of it. As far as like me getting to pick or be a part of, you know, the, the, the desire to go and stuff, um, I, it, 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 I'm pretty sure it was Huey Lewis in the news. Um, yes. And, or it was Weird Al Yankovic opening for the Monkees reunion tour. So it was, my dad took me to both of those because the, they were both very important for me to, to go. Uh, and my dad liked both of, both all three, I guess, of the artists. I can't remember who opened for Huey. <laughs> <laughs> What if it was like you two? No, that's a, that doesn't <laughs> right. time out right. That doesn't time out right. right. Um, but uh, but yeah, but so like you know, I, I mean, NXS is like that's a that's a pretty cool first concert. That's a pretty like cool guy first concert, don't you think? I can't say that about Millie Vanilli. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess. I mean, it was. I mean, it didn't really leave an impression. Um, and I, I didn't take my little wristband off for probably like a couple of weeks. Sure. Which is pretty dorky. You know, like you're, you get the little wristband going on. You like want to keep it as like a little badge. Of, oh, yeah. Oh, I was at NXS. You know? Yeah. Wait, how old were you? I was in junior high. Okay. So I knew you then. Yeah. No, I mean, I. Yeah, definitely. Jill. This, <laughs> you're this like, I can't Jill. believe you don't remember. Jan, I can't yeah, believe right. you don't remember that I wore that bracelet. You, you forgot that? No, uh, Jill had gotten tickets and she invited me. And um, so I went. So that, that was that was cool. Yeah, Jill had a huge crush on you. She was always hoping that you guys would end up being a couple. I remember that. Well, we did enjoy Shout out to Jill. <laughs> Shout out to Jill. Well, Weird Al, I mean, you know, it's funny. Like, over time, like, Weird Al is still around. And sometimes I think, like, he seems like one of the most talented musicians. Like, you know, it's, he's it's just his lasting of his career yeah. and how long he's, he's done wonderful. It. It's amazing. He's wonderful. And he's definitely someone that, 
like I you know he's like he emailed me on my birthday and um and it's it's uh that's a good that's a good one that's a good one where you have to like be careful to because he he's attracted to the alternate like the kind of alternate alternative comedy world um Mm -hmm. but that also means that he's surrounded by people who were all fans of his because he started so young and so I think possibly one of the reasons that like he enjoys being around the types of nerds that are in my sort of whatever, if you want to call it a community is that we are like, we're, we're somehow able to separate the kid part of us. That's like, Oh my God, I just got an email from Weird Al. And like the, the, the the pureness of it. That's like, but also he's just like a wonderful and, and kind and like perfectionistic, you know, artist who, you know, is just a dear smart person. Um, but yeah, for sure. Like he's, he's, he's had incredible longevity, incredible Mm -hmm. longevity. Um, which is like, that's, that's, that has to speak to something because you, you could very easily see like, oh yeah, writing parody songs, like that'll, that'll take you a certain distance. And then like, of course you'll fade into obscurity and that categorically has not happened to him. I mean, I think he's just musically, I think he's a genius, you know, but can you imagine like if I would have, if we could travel back in time and I knew, you know, I knew you in junior high and I went up to you and said, Janet, um, I'm from the future. And I just want you to know when you're older, you're going to get a birthday email from Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> like, what would you have said? Like, you probably would have been like, what are you talking? I mean, they would have blown your mind, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it absolutely would have. Um there's there's I other than that there's a part of of maybe all of us who sort of harbors this idea that sometimes turns out to be true and sometimes doesn't and now I've kind of been on the other side of that having a podcast or doing you know things that people get exposed to that they enjoy which especially with podcasting because it's so personal where you do in the back of your mind kind of think like I mean obviously like 12 year old me I don't, there's no way I was cocky enough to think this but like in the back of your mind still somehow some part of me is like I mean I bet we'd be friends like you know what I mean <laughs> like like uh, like oh I th- if I think this like this person's my friends seem to think I'm pretty funny and I think this like huge superstar is funny so maybe they would think I was funny too which you know is like there's something wonderful about that and and you know again we don't all all always have the opportunity to see if if that pans out but um but once once in a while it does that being said again i do not think it's that's a case with weird al where i'd be like yeah that that tracks that sounds right, <laughs> right. that makes a lot of sense yep yep him immediately yep sure yeah you bet you know so do you uh, yeah you don't have to answer this but um like when you see people that you grew up being a fan of and since you work in the industry like do you feel like oh i want to get to know them and see if we have a connection or do you feel like Oh, I'd rather just leave it. You know, I appreciate what they do, and I don't want to try to get to know them personally. I mean, it depends on what they, what they do, what 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 it was about them that we enjoyed back then, and what um and and whether or not that has sort of carried over into now. Um, I mean, like anybody that I've met that I know you and I both liked, like I, I indubitably they would all they would also like you. You know, there's no, it's not you know that's like. But I also feel like there are probably people that um, I I haven't been in a situation. Like, I would never walk up to – I say that, but I'm sure I've done it at least once. Um, it It's 
just being in the same proximity as somebody uh, famous that you admire is not the same thing as like being introduced to somebody famous you admire in the context of also being someone who does something that they might respect or find of, of value or whatever that looks like, whatever that is. It could be, you know, having an amazing nonprofit. It could be, you know, being a writer. It could be, you know, whatever it is that, that, that that makes you feel like you're set apart in some way so that you don't feel like it's just another fan that that person is meeting. Um, Cause for me, you know, I would rather not meet someone if, if they're, if, if it's just another person saying like uh, big fan, like that (laughs) doesn't bring me enough satisfaction to do it. um, Cause it probably would make me sad that they were just like, thank you. And then that's it. That's your exchange with that person like I would rather that that didn't happen at all I think what do you think how do you feel about that I I don't know I mean and maybe I'm a little I mean I think I I think you know what it's hard to answer because like in a way like like I'm impressed by people like a single mother raising their kids well like I'm like wow that's impressive you know so I mean I appreciate you know people's skills in the arts but it's not like oh I want to be that person you know what I mean like it's a different kind of respect but um and again, also, like, I'm living in Tucson, Arizona. Like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not having interactions with, like, famous people. When, I, when we lived in Austin, you know, especially during the South by Southwest, I would have this experience where I would see people and they would give me this look like, hey, do you recognize that I'm someone famous? And then I would think, oh, that's someone famous. Who is it? So I had that kind of experience. Um, yeah. But I remember Shara saying, like, when people come up to her, it's not that they want to see her. It's what they want to be seen by share, you know, like mm-hmm. they want that kind of experience. Um, and so again, you know, I can, can't answer this so well, but I'm wondering for you, like, since you're on the other side of it, do you ever have people that are like, Oh my God, that's the voice of Cora. They come up to you and you can tell that this is like a really big deal for them talking to you. And you know that you're kind of setting in their head, this idea of if you have a connection or don't, or, I mean, what is that side of it? Like, I love it. I mean, I, 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 I just think it's so wonderful. I mean, I don't, you know, I, for, for people younger than us and, and, and also for people our age and older, but who are just more into that kind of convention culture or the, the a place where they want to enjoy loving something, uh, with other people who feel similarly and they can talk about it and, um, and cosplay or, or, you know, just you go to panels where, where, stuff is is kind of discussed almost like a college class you know to really be able to deep dive into that stuff and for people who've had an experience where it's something has moved them or has helped them I can't take any responsibility for what they really loved about the thing that I represent to them and and so um but I love I really do love people and I love I love young people and I love um, the fans that like the stuff that I'm proud of having been lucky enough to be a part of, um, they just are such, they're, they're just typically so sensitive and thoughtful and, you know, and, um, and so, so for being able to like add a positive, like another positive aspect to their experience of this thing that I also think is great. Um, that's just, that just feels really good. It just feels good, you know? Um, and so that's, you know, it, it's you know it's like it's like anything I mean I think it's probably like anything you do where someone says you know this having you as my teacher really meant a lot to me or I you know I really like this thing now because you introduced me to it or you know any anything like that the feedback is it's the same 
muscle. You know what I mean? It's the same mechanism. It's the same feeling. It's just maybe there were more of them because the thing that that I did was more right, widely distributed for whatever random reason. Um, but it's this. It's just the same one on one feeling as like, you know, it's just, it's it feels the same. And so um, that doesn't. There's not a lot of like pomp or circumstance to it. It just feels like I exactly what you said. Like I see you. I see you. Right. You know, and and that's a that's a that's such an important connection to have, um, you know, have those connections, however long or short they are uh, to feel like you're, you know, like like I always, you know, I say I still say this all the time. But like uh, in Harold and Maud that Harold that that he says, you know, you're good with people. And, and Maud goes, oh, they're my species, <laughs> my species. That's yeah. I always think that I always yeah, think like, well, that. they're my species. I want to, you know, I'm I like I like those connections, you know. Well, I mean, obviously, I'm, you know, I'm not being stopped on the street unless I'm at the library and people think I'm a lawyer. You know, no <laughs> one's coming up to me. But, um, you know, like with Pinata Moon, which is this book about Ugh, a friend so of ours good. who killed herself. Everyone, and, it's know, so good, Pinata Moon. Please, everyone, if you are looking for something that is like, how does this, d- does this in some way emotionally capture like the experience of being the, the teenager in this place in time in Arizona above and beyond the the very specific thing that it's about just um evocatively it's it it's like well that'll give you a real snapshot of of what that experience was like and it's just so beautifully written oh wow anyway, well, thank go you ahead. for that I mean, you know so just i'll just mention you know the book takes place over the course of one night with a friend dealing with a friend's suicide and he's also kind of keeping a running list of tiny things he likes about being alive so it's really about that balance of how you deal with loss and because it's not like oh i'm better now and everything's fine but, um, you know, remember after the book came out, a woman reached out to me and she said, you know, I feel like we're grieving together. Her mm. father just died and she was reading this book. And that meant so much to me. I mean, obviously, I don't know her. She doesn't know me, you know, but just the fact that um, she could have that kind of connection. And I think, again, you know, like a book that takes place over one night where not much happens except someone's emotional journey. It's not, you know, it's a different type of book, but it's meant a lot to me to have an opening where people can come up to me and be like, Hey, you know, my friend killed themselves and this is what happened. And yeah. just leaving room for that kind of conversation um, it, it has been nice. So I, that just gets back to that. I, li- I like that being able to connect with people that you don't know. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think you're, you feeling pulled to write is, you know, is, is so indicative of that is that, um, you know, I mean, I, I, I can't, I can't, you you writing a story or you writing a, a novel you you doing that um it's hard to imagine for me that being like a like a closed what's that like when you say like an open source versus closed source or whatever like <laughs> i don't see it as a closed loop like oh torin needed to write this thing and he wrote it for himself and only himself and then he read it and then he then he had gotten his feelings out and then that was it and it just stayed within the little ecosystem that is Torin. like i, I it, it it only makes sense that your feeling pulled to write would be either in service of other people or also just like as you're working through these this experience that you have or that you're having this this desire to yeah to either you know, shed some light on the experience uh, in whatever way you can to for someone else. Um, I mean, again, I just see it as being like of 
that it's part of a bigger ecosystem than just like, well, I just needed to get it out and I did. There you go. <laughs> you know. Well, you know, but it's interesting. I went to go see the woman who wrote um, the the Lovely Bones. Her name escapes me right now. Alice. It's a great book. Alice Siebold. Right. I mean, I have Alice in my head for sure. I, I can look it up. But so she was talking to us about you know that book, and she was saying you know as she was writing that book. She um, ended up writing a book about her her experience being raped. And I think it's called Lucky because you know she went to the police station and oh yeah, and they said oh you're lucky, you know yeah, and um, and she was saying like you know I had to get this story out first before I could do um, Lovely Bones. And again, obviously, you know my experience is totally different, but I did kind of feel like this story of Pinata Moon. I had to somehow get that out before I could move on to to other stories. Yeah. And the other thing is, the other thing I want to mention was, you know, there's something about like when you share something with other people, because there's something to be said for, there's a long period where it is just you and this thing that you're working on. And I've made the mistake before of going too early to share something. Mm. And it's kind of like, it's not the right phase yet. I don't know if you've had that experience with the stuff that, that you're working on, but um, there's definitely a point where it's like, now is the time to kind of take it forward. There's that kind of mm. like, I don't know, butterfly in the cocoon, you know, dissolving yeah. and becoming the butterfly like that you don't want to mess with. But when you have that feeling, do you, is there a sense that when it's happening, is there a sense of like, does that feel or look different to you than when you do know? Or is it kind of just a like by virtue of trial and error or just like you just can only, you know, did it feel like it was ready in, at a time where you ended up feeling like you should have waited or did it did it have a, a, a distinct feeling of like Ugh, I'm not sure but maybe I'll just put it out there and see what happens you know is there a difference <laughs> uh, I don't know it's hard to articulate I think it's like there's definitely a phase where like okay I've gone back and forth and took this comma out and then put it back in and then took this comma <laughs> you know like where you're just kind of like chasing your own tail kind of like there comes a point where you need that outside perspective yeah uh, yeah i don't know how to articulate it there's just it kind of comes a time where it's like yep this is ready it just you know i kind of think about writing as like excavating you know like you're digging down mm. and it comes a point where it just feels solid you know it's like uh you know i i hit rock bottom or i hit you know the treasure chest or you the feeling of like there's something here that it's solid enough to move forward with and share it publicly right but so, but 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 going back to what you were saying, if you have a situation where you put it out too early, did you did you like did you feel like you'd hit the bottom, or was you were you were just less experienced to know that there was a bottom? Yeah, I think that's more like with writers groups where like I don't know if you've had this experience, but like you share something and someone's like, you know, I don't like your main character. It's like, <laughs> well, no, and that but, sounds awful to me. That's kind of a tough one, you know. Like that's kind of back to the drawing board. You know, Neil Ga Gaiman has a great quote where he's like, if someone tells you something isn't working with writing, they're always right. But if someone tells you how to fix it, they're always wrong. Whoa. I thought that was such an interesting yeah. take. Oh, I don't know what you do with that. <laughs> I mean, no, it's a great quote. It's a great quote. Boy, that's scary. They're always right if they're telling you something's not working. I well, guess I, mean, I guess I, I, mean, I guess you're putting it. Yeah, I guess it's like I mean, let's, crazy let's people that are like this is trust. about <laughs> right. It's not like you know, like where are the Jewish lasers in this story? You know, like, right. like just total crazy nutball stuff. Right. Um, 
Although but I think I'm it's very intrigued by the idea of Jewish something leaders. something isn't working, it's always worth looking into. You know what I mean? Like I right, just, right. If someone's like, I don't get this, I wouldn't brush it aside. Right. Well, that's a good point. Yeah, see, to me, that's that. just my immediate thought was like, oh, that's so terrifying. The power that you would hand over to someone else. But uh, yeah, if it's somebody that you... And also, like, it's so subjective. I mean, you know, like you said, like someone, one, this one person who's had this one experience in their lives or is, you know, grew up in this context who doesn't like your main character because something, you know, even if it's unconscious, reminds them of their cousin that they just absolutely hated is a different conversation than, you know, a professor that you esteem who has mentored you in some other way or, or helped guide you in the past so you know that that relationship is there than that person saying, you know, something about this isn't working is is looks different than that other person well and i think with writing like it's so co-created since like with i think it's a different experience when you're reading because you're reading at your own pace right in your own voice um so yeah obviously the reader's going to bring things to it like i always think of that there's a story about like someone saying that you know what are those rorschach tests like you know like they show you the ink spots yeah and they're showing it to this guy and this guy's like why are you showing me all these dirty pictures right you know, have, but it's you like, ever, have you ever because you because you were in the world of 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 psychology e- at least more than I ever was um have you ever like because every time I see those Rorschach blocks I think what would I ever come up with if I were really <laughs> asked like I don't see anything I, I see nothing I'd have to work so hard to try to come up with something that I thought it looked like yeah I, I've never gotten much out of that <laughs> And there's a lot of psych- psychological stuff that I just don't get. Like, you know, what's your first word association with tacos? You know, right. like, <laughs> like, I just don't know, like, how many huge insights are coming oh, through. Oh, it's like, so revealing. Oh, it's you said so beans. Revealing. You said beans after tacos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe that stuff will, maybe that stuff is falling away and being replaced with, with stuff that feels a little more um, human to human. I don't know. I mean, I guess I kind of hope so. Because, yeah, those, the idea that, that someone would, would, like, characterize the inner workings of your brain based on, like, well, someone said, like, this, basically, this would be my answer every time. Uh, a butterfly? Like, they all look <laughs> right. like, they all look right. like weird blobby butterflies. This young right. lady is absolutely obsessed. She's, listen, she's obsessed with transformation. She's obsessed with only getting to the other side. She's not interested in being the caterpillar. She's just obsessed with being on the other side and being the butterfly. And she clearly wants to flutter around. She's very, she's unwilling to settle on any one thing. <laughs> like, right. But, you know, I do think this is more American. Um, it's funny, like, my son always has me take these, like, which Pokemon character are you test? Uh-huh. And he, he gives a lot of meaning to it. But, um, like, so when we, we lived in Norway for a year and I was teaching and um, I would try to do these like writing exercises, like if I had time at the end of a class. So I would ask Norwegian students like, okay, if you could be trapped on a desert island with any three Americans, you know, who would they be and why? And I was thinking like, let's talk about pop culture and like what you like about America, what you don't like. And almost every time, guess who they said? Who? Barack Obama. And this is during his administration. Right. And here's their reasoning. Because he's an important public figure, and people will go looking for him. So if we're oh, trapped on a desert island, oh, people wow. will go looking that's for Obama. That's such a and rational you. answer. It's like what super a practical answer. Like, yeah. Right. And I was like, all in this weird fantasy land of like, you know, like a survivalist mm-hmm. and a musician. You know, like all that made no sense, and they were just thinking total practical. <laughs> they were thinking 
how do I extricate myself from this very exercise? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> right now. Exactly. That's amazing. Obama, done. Okay, we're going to take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. Macho man to the top rope. The flying elbow. The cover. We've got a new champion. We're here with Macho Man Randy Savage after his big win to become the new world champion. What are you going to do now, Match? I'm going to go listen to the newest episode of the Tights and Fights podcast. Oh, yeah. Tell us more about this podcast. It's the podcast of power. Too sweet to be sour. Funky like a monkey. Woke discussions, man. And jokes about wrestlers' fashion choices. Myself excluded. I can't wait to listen. Neither can I. You can find it Saturdays on Maximum Fun. Oh, yeah. Dig it. This actually works out perfectly because it it it, it segues perfectly into perhaps the most American of all fantasy games, MASH, which is uh, something that I'm going to play with you as the sort of closing chapter of the podcast um and it i mean it truly is i mean it's 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 actually i'm quite ashamed that it falls so neatly into the category of like this is the most the intention of it is just to like focus in on things that make you happy um but through through the lens of what you just described i can guarantee you that norwegians would hate this would hate this exercise uh with a passion um but each of your answers cannot be barack obama now number one you're on a desert island no i'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> barack obama. uh i'm gonna start it off in a semi-traditional way uh to get us warmed up and again you will see that this is just like the exercise that you were having them do uh let's do three places in the world that you would love to have a second home if uh we could sort of just teleport you there if you didn't even have to worry about the kind of travel process three places anywhere in the world mm-hmm. wow oh gosh i feel like i'm gonna be so bad at this uh there's no well, the bad this is whatever you come up i mean obviously you can come up with something extemporaneously and then an hour from now go why didn't i say you know the this moon, place. right? Yeah. Um, I mean, the first place that pops to, into my head is Sri Lanka. I've never been there, and I'd love to be um, in that part of the world. Wonderful. Um, so let's see, two more places. Uh, have a supai. I don't know if you've been there. You know, the bottom of the Grand Canyon. Those. Yeah. Those you know, I've never so been beautiful. down there. I've never been down there. Oh, it's so amazing. I know. I really want to go. I'm, again, I feel a real sense of shame. Ooh, I feel like my last one needs to be some sort of like climate change location. That's nice and cold. Okay, uh, next one. Let's do three films, movies that you can jump into and you're not reliving the plot. You're not becoming one of the characters. It's just the, it's sort of the experience of being in that world, sort of being immersed in that fictitious world. Or you know what? We could do books too. If It, it could be movies or books or TV, okay. whatever, but it could be, you know, fictitious place. Well, Dune, <laughs> I'm a sucker for bad sci-fi you know, and, and again, like Dune, which is in Pinata Moon as well, like even though I know there's some things that are really hokey, it just captured the tone of the book for some reason. So I'm talking about David Lynch's Dune. Oh, sure. Uh, I haven't. So let's see, Dune, um, I, Harold and Maude. Yeah. So easy to go into them. Dune, Harold and Maude. Um, the end of Shawshank Redemption. Great. Great, great, great. 
Leah, skip past all. <laughs> After all the prison the stuff, dying. just the. That's all. Yeah, I can't. I wouldn't be able to handle that. Get out to the uh, beach with Morgan Freeman. No, that's great. That's great because you still get the feeling of achieve of like I've made it. I've made it here. Um, okay, next category. Let's do three foods that in this reality are you know perhaps ecologically irresponsible to consume, or it could just be you know I wish I could still eat a pack uh, like a, a an entire bag of the big bag of M and M's without feeling sick. Um, it could be I had this one beautiful soup once when I was traveling in this place, and I've never been able to taste it since. Um, we're, we're, all of that is sort of up for grabs. So anything you want that kind of removes any kind of ramifications uh three so it could be like just junky food but i like the taste of it mm-hmm. not the feel like and it's not like it's not like it's all you get you know what i mean it's not like and now you're only going to be eating m&ms it's like no whenever you want you could eat a bag of m&ms i don't know why i'm harboring that it's not something i would choose but it, <laughs> you know you could you could you could always have it whenever you wanted and you could eat as much as you want nothing bad would happen it could be like i love the taste of beef but i don't eat beef anymore but in this alternate reality who cares why but we figured out a way to you know create the taste of beef with without you know the the stuff that happens with livestock now and all that okay one tortilla soup great two would have to be some sort of cheese like a cheese platter you know oh great cheese platters perfect three uh, maybe cappuccinos oh. i know it's not food but oh, oh that counts it counts great like some nice um, cappuccino foam a good cappuccino get out of here absolutely um, okay, next, let's do three fictional characters, again, from any sort of, I guess I'd like to limit it maybe to books, three ca- fictional characters from books that um, somehow are, you know, available to us, to you, to engage with and interact with in some way, even if it's, you know, a talking animal that you loved from, even if it's Streganona, I don't know. <laughs> I am Streganona. My sister was in a Streganona play. She played Streganona. Oh, so I, I have that, that I song, I am Streganona. I am Streganona. It's like stuck in my head. Um, <laughs> man, you're making me work here. Let's see. Yeah, I am making you work. Well, you, you, hey, this isn't from a book, but can I see Patrick Stewart? Because you mentioned him earlier. And when we were in Norway, I, saw, I walked by a guy who I thought was Patrick Stewart. It was like this Norwegian Patrick Stewart I was always trying to find. So I'm sure Patrick Stewart is somewhere always in a book. <laughs> always trying to find that Norwegian Patrick Stewart. Um, so I'll say yeah. like some sort of sci-fi character like, uh, you know, the captain. What's his name? Captain Picard. Kirk, you know, but Picard. Yeah, Captain yeah. Picard. Yeah. Okay. All right. Captain Picard. Okay. Um, man, I really... That's tough. I <laughs> mean, the thing that popped into my head is like Garfield. <laughs> All right, I'll put Garfield down. That's all. Like, I don't know why I'm thinking Garfield. Okay, I, that's called Patrick improv. Stewart and Garfield. That's that would just make you a being great true to story. true to the things that come into your mind. See, this is the Rorschach test. Now everyone's going to be like, I mean, the guy wanted Garfield to come alive. <laughs> I just want to interact about? with Garfield and Patrick Stewart. Is that so wrong? Uh, okay. Well, maybe it's a little bit cliche, but um. Holden Caulfield, that that Great. book was pretty inspiring yeah. in high school. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, okay. Uh, next category, all due respect to your beautiful wife. Part of the MASH, uh, part of the math la- MASH language is that you have these sort of romantic um, encounters or partnerships or whatever in this alternate universe. So this is, you know, good for crushes. Um, 
could be again someone it could be a literary character from a book it could be a comic book character it could be a cartoon it could be an actor from a certain era you know circa 1972 um three things sort of romantic crushes okay so garfield (laughs) no i'm just kidding um okay let's see yeah that's tough well let me take it in this i'll take it in this way out of respect for Michelle, let me think of like people whose talents I'm really inspired by. So there's a writer named Karen Hess. Great. Oh yeah, sure. Um, she's just written some amazing books, and I'm like attracted to her, that that skill. Um, yeah. Uh, also, Alice Walker. Again, I'm just so amazed by yeah the stories she creates, and um, Zora Neale Hurston. Their eyes were watching God. Like I just oh sure that book is so amazing. Um, Great. See how easy that was? Uh, next category. Three cartoon animals. <laughs> oh, I already got this one ready. <laughs> I'm really going to do it. Three cartoon animals that you can hang out with whenever you want. Okay. Oh, cartoon animals. Oh, okay. Let's see. I mean, you really have Garfield covered, so I... I don't, right. I don't want you to feel I could have answered Garfield for every just one of these questions. He, just because he generated this category by virtue of you mentioning him at oh, all. Oh, did he generate this? Is this oh, yeah. No, this is not. I mean, this is not really something I would I would normally do, but. Animals. Okay. Well, I'll go Snoopy. Classic. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe how, <laughs> yeah. how dramatic. It was like you said my favorite sports team name. Yeah! <laughs> right. Snoopy! I mean, Snoopy wasn't it? A- you know, Peanuts oh, was a pretty, like, I've tried to watch it since. It's pretty slow and down. Like, it's not, there's some, it's kind of depressing a little bit, Peanuts. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, they're like fundamentally unhappy kids. It's great. <laughs> it's, it's, right. So, what other cartoon animals are there? Jeez. Um, I mean, like, is there a cartoon, are there, a, is there a cartoon animal here or there that um, Odin would be like, oh, yeah, like you could, you know, bring a pokemon into reality for snorlax great it is a pokemon character i identify with Uh um shoot he'd get mad at me that how much my pokemon knowledge has dwindled (laughs) all right i'll say um charizard another that's another pokemon he's into okay great i know so little about pokemon i don't even i didn't even know there was like uh personalities that would make you into one versus the other I'm really out of the loop. I mean, it is so extensive. Like, there's like no end to Pokemon. Yeah, <laughs> characters and lore. So, uh, I got to do. Maybe I'll do design an all Pokemon based mash game to play with Odin someday. Um, it sounds like he could keep me busy. Uh, okay, next category. Let's do three. Let's do this. Is this is always tough? I always want to do sort of sweeping wonderful change positive change in the world but i but one of the reasons that i keep this a little bit more playful and silly is that you know there's it just then that starts you down the road of like oh all the things that i wish i could change that i can't change and that's depressing or whatever but um but maybe some sort of more localized change like can you create world peace in this game maybe not but can you advance you know the 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 water filtration process in the Navajo Nation or like, you know, some sort of smaller local things that we we would love to be able to sort of convert overnight to just say, we couldn't put that problem away now. So I can come up to a solution for a problem? Yeah. 
that's that's tenable and that you know we're sort of we're sort of creating a solution and and saying okay we can we've solved that thing in this area or in this moment or in this place in tucson or you know something that feels maybe a little more local than like stopping the polar ice caps from melting <clears throat> well being in tucson you know i don't know if you know this but tucson declared a climate emergency in 2020 mm. you know because it's actually tucson's actually the third warmest city warming city in united states so I'm really interested in changing the way we teach about climate change. So I'd want to like change climate change mm-hmm. education. Great. That'd be one. I guess that's pretty specific. That's great. The next thing that comes to mind, I know this sounds totally stupid, but um, like the people that are cool to me are people that signal. So like people, if people would just signal when they're driving. Oh yeah, that's great. I know that's not a huge No, no, that's a big win, step but, of mine too. Yeah. Let's see. Climate change education signaling. Um, <laughs> I love it. Whatever's happened to your computer, you're getting your head is getting further and further towards the bottom, and I can't. Oh even right. Great. <laughs> Let's see. Another problem. I, I I get this. I wish there was a way to kind of not politicize like common sense things, like you know, like wearing a mask for safety. Oh, I can't do that. You know, like. Just yeah. basic common sense health. That's great. So I think maybe more an appreciation for science. That's great. You know? That's absolutely great. Um, okay, and then last one. Three musicians, could be a composer, singer, songwriter, band, living or dead, uh, that three that we can sort of, you can sort of conjure. And they It's like they want to be in a room with you and like play a song at your request or compose something mm. for you. Maybe they're not even in the room, but it's like you could, you know, that this person is going to make an album that's just for you or something like that. Yeah, that one's easier to think of. So, Bonnie Vere. Yes, indeed. Nina Simone. Great. And Mark Isham. I don't know if you know Mark Isham. He's like the soundtrack guy. He did I the Never Cry Wolf soundtrack. You must be talking yeah. to the listener, not to me. Right. You know, we, we listened to a lot of Mark Isham. Yeah, like we lived on the Never Cry Wolf and Mrs. Sofol and uh, Life and Times of Harvey Milk. That he, there was a trio of those um, those soundtracks that all are on one compact disc. And Michelle and I are watching the Nevers, and I think he did the soundtrack for the Nevers. Oh, really? Well. I just started watching that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah, he's he he ends up in a lot of he he really ends up with a lot of he did the soundtrack to Little Man Tate too, which is. Oh, so which was great. And jazzy and great. I mean, the other one I would have mentioned is, um, I, I know I'm going to butcher his name, but the guy who did the soundtrack to the mission, Encino. Oh, Ennio Morricone? Right. He just passed away. Wow. Yeah. That soundtrack is oh, amazing. So amazing. Yeah. You and I would listen to that too. I remember that uh, for sure. Okay. If you had to take use one word to describe Odin's mood when you first saw him this morning, what would you describe it as? One word. Odin's mood. Ooh curious great okay i am going to use that word to uh factor in figure out what what of these things you're going to end up with you'll end up with one from each category in this alternate sort of uh mash universe that we're creating for you while i do that uh would you please tell people um about certainly can mention uh, pinata moon again but any other uh of of things you've written, books you've written, um, things you would like people to be aware of, check out online, follow you, and it, whatever whatever uh, feels like a thing that you would like people to be aware of um, related to you, uh, please do so. 
Okay, awesome. While well, you do the, the deeply scientific process of uh, yeah, I would, I would love if people had a little more respect for science, like the <laughs> right. Well, I'll, I'll mention um, you know the Earth Day Carol app that you and I collaborated on. That's free, so just on Android or iPhones, it's just um, Earth Day Carol. It's just a, a quick little story. Um, what else? Well, I am. And this is. I know this sounds crazy, but I, I did mention this to Janet before. I'm trying to work on climate change education game. And so I want to create an escape room game at Biosphere 2. I am obsessed with this, everyone. Obsessed with it. And if you don't know what Biosphere 2 is, you can actually watch the documentary Spaceship Earth and you will get a really strong sense of what what the history of biosphere 2 is and and now it's it still exists and uh torn has a connection to it through the university of arizona so when when jen and i were growing up i think it was 1991 eight people were sealed in this it's like 3.4 acres and they kind of they had different ecosystems like here's the jungle here's the desert and they the idea was we're going to seal these people in for three years to kind of figure out how we can survive in places like mars and it turned into this huge spectacle. I mean, it was really controversial. Um, Time Magazine called it like one of the hundred worst ideas of the century. And actually, you know, other places like um, Discover Magazine was like, this is the most important scientific thing we've done since President Kennedy launches to the moon. So it's a pretty controversial place just because of the history. But when you go there, like you feel like you can, it's so easy to picture, like I'm on another planet. I'm it's in this. Awesome. It's it amazing. It gives you that little kid feeling that so many of us continue to chase for in one way or another. I think that's one of the things that appeals to people about escape rooms uh, or appeals to people about VR or video games, that appeals to people about traveling and going to this unknown place. Um, it really gives you that like that, that like feeling of a fluttering feeling in your your belly that's like, oh, I, this is extraordinary. There's something extraordinary here. Exactly. And, you know, it hasn't been used in that way of like capturing students imaginations and so that's what i'm really going for is like imagine if you had time challenges going from each ecosystem where you had to figure things out and you're role playing and you're you know i think it could just be such an intense way to learn about climate change and then actually connect people to real world solutions that are going on in in the world so if anyone's out there interested in this kind of thing um you can connect with me on linkedin torn anderson Um, I just love this. I will. I mean, listen, I'm not I don't it's not like I have money to invest really as much as I would love to say like, but I would invest. I mean, like if there's if if, like whatever paltry sum I could invest would help like I totally will. (laughs) It's so great. Maybe it'll be a Kickstarter one day like. Yeah, um, because I I don't I know. I don't know. I'm just I think I think we need to think about different ways to learn about climate change. That's like interactive and immersive and fun and you know, and have students help develop it. Um, Oh, I, I so I couldn't agree more. Listen, I forget. I always forget Kickstarter is a thing. I love it. I love it. I love it. I also have your results whenever you're ready, but I don't want to stop you from anything else you want to talk about. Almost said I had your prognosis. That's not (laughs) (laughs) right. Uh, Yes, definitely not. Been waiting for this. (laughs) Definitely not the word. Okay. First of all, I want to congratulate you for your apartment in Sri Lanka, which I think makes Mm. sense. Look, I'm sure that you know an apartment seems like for for your second home. What do you want? Some mansion that you're gonna go to? No, that's a that feels wasteful. Um, if that feels just right to me, uh, I hope you agree. Um, you have a, a beautiful little apartment in Sri Lanka. Uh, you have you <laughs> listen. I don't, I don't know if there's room for both Charizard and Garfield <laughs> in this apartment in Sri Lanka. Uh-oh. But I want you to rest assured that they are both 
alive and in charge and a part of your regular life. I hope Owen's going to be excited about exactly 50% of those. I'll have the lasagna ready for Garfield. <laughs> I'll, I'll make sure it's never Monday. Wait, is Garfield <laughs> not right. like Mondays or is that Dilbert? Is that someone that's totally not related at all? I think everyone hates Mondays. Fair. Okay. Um, so those two things, I really was going to save Garfield for last, but I just couldn't resist. Um, uh, if you would like to uh, sort of dive into a different type of world that also is in this other place and kind of creates this amazing feeling, rest assured, you could also jump into the end of Shawshank Redemption whenever you so desire um all of this bopping around to and fro is going to make you hungry regardless of what other food choices you make rest assured you can have unlimited cheese platters of all types shapes and sizes i guess and varieties of cheese which is maybe the most important variety opposed (laughs) to the shape or size of the platter probably doesn't matter that much all different types of cheeses you have a, 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 a wonderful uh, partner as you walk through life in uh, novelist and an amazing human, uh, Alice Walker. And you also have the, you also have the sort of artistic brilliance of Nina Simone um, to give you some, some soundtrack to sort of accompany you through these very many journeys, including the fact that you have, and I think this is, very serendipitous, nay, foreshadowing, uh, made a real impact in the way we educate people about climate change. Mm. I mean, that that's like, we just talked about that in a very concrete, tangible way. So if nothing else in here comes through, <laughs> if only that and Garfield come true, then you're going to be just fine. Wow. Yeah. So that is that. Uh, this has been so wonderful. Um, what a great opportunity to just catch up a little bit to see your your face. You look just the same. Um, that's my Torin. That's just my Torin right there. Older than Homer Simpson. Older than Homer. <laughs> but I'm 12 years younger than Ralph Macchio. <laughs> that is reassuring, even though he still looks about 20. <laughs> right. uh, After 13 uh, years. This has been wonderful. And thank you so much for doing the podcast. And everybody else, I will talk to you next time. Recorded by me and edited by Julian Burrell. And as always, the Baby Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi.
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.